This week's episode is fun and fact-filled with Will Hare, the two-time reigning back-to-back Memphis Barbecue Network Team of the Year. Welcome to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, world headquarters, Wellston, Oklahoma. The Butcher Turn Pitmaster, your host, David Bosca. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Butcher Barbecue Podcast. We have a two-time back-to-back Team of the Year winner of the Memphis Barbecue Network, Will Hare. Will, say hello to everybody. Hey, thanks for having us on. Hey, you bet. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy, busy schedule, sitting at home. We know how everybody is right now. <laughs> <laughs> Tell yeah, our listeners it's not what we want to normally be doing this time of year, but it is what it is. That's right. Tell our listeners where you at right now. Uh, I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. We live in a little suburb right outside of Memphis called Bartlett, uh, and that's uh, you know that's home for us. Uh, luckily, we're we're uh, based you know in, in the same city as the world championship so uh so memphis and may is is our back uh back porch but uh this is uh this is where i live i'm and i just vapor locked <laughs> uh, are you from memphis or did you move to memphis oh no actually born and raised here i i was born here in 74 uh, uh actually lived within 15 miles of, of where i live right now my entire life lord willing and the creek don't nice. rise they'll bury me here at some point <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we obviously you're on the podcast because you know something about barbecue. But what do you do for a living? Because let's be real, barbecue don't pay the bills. Yeah, bar- barbecue is not a money making venture. That's for sure. Anybody that's done car- a competition barbecue long enough knows that uh, it's it's next to impossible to make a living at it. I am actually a locksmith by trade. I work for uh, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. I'm the the campus locksmith there. I've been for about five years now. I've been a locksmith for about 20 years, and, and I took a job at St. Jude about five years ago. So, unfortunately, uh, that does mean that I'm, I'm not getting to sit at home as, as much as some people are, but uh, they have cut our schedules way back just to, to keep everybody safe. So, uh, we are uh, we are spending a little time at home, but I'm, I'm still working about 20, between 20 to 30 hours a week. So that's a that's a good thing and a bad thing. At least I still have a paycheck to come home to. So that's right. Family, you got a family? Uh, yes, sir. I'm, I'm married. My wife Katie. Uh, if you've ever seen us in a competition, she's generally right there with me. So I uh, don't have any kids other than the four legged kind. And luckily for our podcast this morning, they're all asleep. So if you hear barking in the background, that wind has changed. It's all good, man. We like our pets. <laughs> Absolutely. What is your team name? Uh, I'm the pitmaster for Smokemasters Barbecue. We started in uh, about 2007. We. Uh, Actually, back in 2007, we began as the back swine. Uh, it was a play on the, uh, the back nine. We were a, a group of guys that uh, golfed and, and played poker and did a lot of things together. So uh, a few years later, after we all got tired of trying to explain to everybody what the back swine meant, we, uh, <laughs> we changed our name over to Smoke Masters. And uh, we've been there, there ever since. So still has a golfing with the masters. In Absolutely, it. that was that was kind of where we were shooting. Yeah. So what do you cook on? Uh, it depends on the day. Uh, generally, I'm a, I'm a whole hog cook. So uh, it, it, for competition wise, uh, I cook on backwood smokers. Uh, we've got a, okay. a backwood uh, pro comp hog. That's what we cook our hogs on. Uh, shoulders, of course. In the end, a, a, a three tiered event. You've got hog, shoulder, and ribs so we cook our hogs on the backwoods uh pro comp hog smoker we cook our shoulders either on the uh g2 party or the uh we 
recently in the last year or so become using begun using the uh, Yoder YS640 pellet cookers, and then we cook our ribs on a backwards party. We do KCBS 99% of the time. We uh-huh. do a few of the Texas-style. Sure. This is classified a Memphis-style network mm-hmm. or competition. That always looks so expensive. Is it? <laughs> well, you know, it's, I'm going to tell you, there, there are ups and downs. There are pluses and minuses. Uh, I can cook all in between uh, fees and meat costs. I can cook a KCBS competition for between 5 and seven fifty. Um, all in on an NBN competition, of course, I'm cooking a much bigger piece of meat with a whole hog, but all in on, a, on an NBN competition somewhere between a thousand to fifteen hundred, depending on where you're going and what you know what the fees are. The difference, main difference between Memphis Barbecue Network and KCBS. Well, I won't say the main difference, but the biggest differences are one, KCBS is is purely blind. In the Memphis Barbecue Network, your preliminary round is blind. And then you've got a finals round where you actually have on-site presentations to a group of four judges at one time. Uh, very very similar to the Memphis in May style, which they used to be exactly the same where you had three preliminary judges that came by and you did three on-site presentations. And then the top three scores out of those preliminary rounds would create a finals round and they would come back with four judges for those finals groups. But... Uh, they, they, the NBN, in an order, in an effort to, to cut down on meat costs and try to, you know, encourage a little bit more participation. Uh, I think it was two years ago, might have been three, don't quote me on that. But uh, they, they got rid of the preliminary on site rounds and went simply to a, br- a blind preliminary round with an on site finals. So the other difference being in a KCBS event, you've got to cook all, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's four categories, correct? Cooking all, in order in a KCBS competition, in order to qualify for the grand, you have to cook all four of those categories. In an MBN event, I can cook one category and take grand champions. So I don't have to come in and cook hog, shoulder, and rib. I can pick one, I can cook two, I can cook all three. Now, generally, to stay competitive, we do cook all three, but it's not a requirement. Is that to give yourself a better chance? Say, hey, I've got three chances in for grand versus one? You you could look at it that way, yeah. Uh, Now, there are are quite a few teams out there that that come in and cook just one category, and that's what their bread and butter is and what they're the best at, and they they do very, very well. Uh, We were that way for a long time. We cooked purely hog and that was all we cooked so it's it's definitely possible the reason i I would say more than not that we cook all three now is the there's a points race much as there is in kcbs you accumulate points per category over the year and at the end of the year they rank in each category for a team of the year award in each category and then what we have happened to win for the past two years would be the overall team of the year which is the higher highest team of the year score out of those three categories so we have won it in whole hog for the past two years 2018 and 2019 okay with the memphis barbecue network and kcbs Mm -hmm. how many do you cook of each a year uh last year i believe we cooked 16 uh nbn events and then we cooked three kcbs events we're we're primarily a memphis barbecue network team right now now as moving forward as things change, depending on, on what happens this year, we'll probably be doing the same thing. 
Uh, we'd like to incorporate a few more MBN, I mean, a, a few more KCBS events. We, we had actually signed up for the first two this year, one in uh, Nashville, Smoking on the Shore, and then uh, I forget the name of the other one, but it was up in uh, on the Tennessee River. I think it was Smoking on the River or something. I, I can't, honestly, I can't remember that name offhand, but we had signed up for those two early in March this year, and of course, uh, as everything else. Let me guess, they got canceled. Yeah. Just like everything else has right now, but, you know, it's all, That's all right. part of doing what we got to do to stay safe. So. I want to help educate, because let's be real, most of the listeners that know me and listen in probably cook a KCBS style, mm-hmm. Florida barbecue style, a Georgia barbecue, or New England. So there's multiple classes within it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I say classes. I meant categories. Okay. When they have barbecue classes for your judges, okay, barbecue judging classes mm-hmm. in Memphis and May, because in KCBS they do this in their judging classes, they will tell them, they'll take a rib and explain what a perfect bite's supposed to be, mm-hmm. what the rib's supposed to be, how to eat whole pork what makes it mushy what makes it perfectly cooked they tell us on brisket what is the proper pull apart not a fold over like the world believes they Mm -hmm. actually teach a pull apart Mm -hmm. do they actually teach memphis barbecue network judges that or is it just they cooks or i'm sorry they judge so many that this is what they like and this is what you get to be cooking no, the, the, the judges class, uh, I've, I'm certified, uh, MBN judge, certified KCBS judge as well, uh, as well as a Memphis MA judge. I've taken all three of those classes. And honestly, the classes are, with the exception of the Memphis MA class, the MBN class and the KCBS class are very similar in the fact that they do both go through the specifics. This is what you're looking for. This is what constitutes a, a, a bite. This is what constitutes a flavor profile. This is, you know, and they're not trying to steer you one way or the other as far as which pre- flavor profile you should be looking for, but they, they do do a good job of explaining to you, you know, what has been working on the circuit. They, the, the last two, we've actually cooked for two of the uh, last several Memphis Barbecue Network judges classes, and they will actually bring two or three teams out and do a mock cook for that judges class. Uh, pretty much the same thing they do on a KCBS judges class with the exception of they're also having to teach these judges how to do an on, how to judge an on-site presentation as well. So it's, it's more involved for the teams coming out to cook because they actually, you know, have to go through that for lack of a better phrase, dog and pony show to, to actually You're reading my notes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that that's, what we go through, though, that's that's what we do to teach our judges. Uh, uh, and I say we, uh, you know, I, I'm just as involved with the MBN as, as any of the other the cook teams out there that have cooked these judges' classes. We we try to help the organization as much as we can because, quite frankly, without the, the participation of the judges, we're just a bunch of guys sitting around drinking beer and burning meat on the weekends. You know, you it's an ownership. Exactly. You've yeah. got an ownership in yeah. Memphis Barbecue Network. Exactly. You've, you've got to – and the same yeah. with KCBS. You know, if, I, if I was ever asked to cook a, a KCBS judges class, I'd, I'd jump right on top of it. Uh, I mean, you want to – do everything you can to to facilitate the furthering of that knowledge. If that's if I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely understand and I get it. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer. 
what I explained to the pres- or, I'm sorry, the CEO of KCBS about a month ago. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer in the wagon wheel, and every element is a spoke. Absolutely. Contest, the organizers, the reps, mm-hmm. cooks, judges, and yeah. if one spoke falls off. What happens to the wheel? Exactly. Exactly. It makes it a whole lot yeah. harder to get around. <laughs> That's right. Hey, two things I took out of that, what you said, mm-hmm. one of them was that you, that they actually are instructive what's hitting recently in flavor profiles. Mm-hmm. That intrigues me because flavor is not talked mm-hmm. about in KCBS judging. Mm-hmm. Because that's personal preference. Well, and here again, that the, a lot of the same thing in an UBN class. They're not telling you what to, flavors to look for or what flavors to score high and what flavors to score low. They're they're simply trying to tell you this is what you're looking for when you're looking for flavor. You, you know, is it is it spicy? I got is you. It bland? Is it you know? Is it hot? Is it not? Uh, not so much as. You know, this is a sweet profile. This is the only thing you're supposed to give a good score to. That that's not, you know, that's they're not leading judges down a path. Don't don't get me wrong. That it's just a lot of times you find, uh, at least in our area, I think you you'll find people that will have come to a barbecue competition and and walked around and said, hey, can I have some barbecue? And somebody will tell them no, and they're like, well, how do I get to to taste all this great competition barbecue? And they're like, go take a judge's class, be a judge. So you get somebody coming into a judge's class that has very, very little knowledge as far as what to expect or what to look for in what they're judging. So these these classes are absolutely paramount in the fact that they've got to instill in these these people that are taking these classes, you know, the right things to look for and the light, the things to you know, score high on, score low on. And there again, they're, they're not telling you what flavors to judge high and judge low on. It's just without that kind of instruction, you've got somebody that's coming in there judging off of Corky's or, or uh, whatever local barbecue restaurant that they ate at last and say, hmm, you know, this isn't falling off the bone quite like the, the rib I had at, at McDonald's last week. So, you know, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's what we're dealing with. I think that is genius. And it might help smooth out the inconsistency because what you said was it starts back at the cook site with the folks walking through. Mm-hmm. It's not the judges, what they're taught. It's what their expectations of going into the judges class. And when they walk out, they're like, well, we were told what a good cooked rib is, mm-hmm. but not what one's supposed to taste like. Exactly. So I think that would be a great additive to class for KCBS is to say, we're not going to show you what flavors are hitting, Mm -hmm. but this is what we would call is sweet. This is what we would call, I'm not going to say salty, but maybe savory. Exactly. And you put the two together, melt them too much sweet, too much that, and and make that your flavor that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of the advantage to... When they when an NBN judges class is taught, when they've got two or three different teams, you you actually get to to put two or three different samples on a table and say, okay, what's the difference between this one and this one? You've got you know this one's uh, sweeter, this one's hotter, this one's saltier, or, or you know savory. Yeah, exactly, savorier. Or that like you were saying before, savorier. I don't know if that's a word. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> But you you get to to at least take a take a look and and see the differences in two or three different styles of product during that class, and that's the opportunity that a lot of these first time judges need 
to get that experience to be able to ask the questions, okay, I'm tasting this here. Why is this different from this? And this is this something I should be looking for or something I shouldn't be looking for? Okay. And the other thing I took out of that a while ago was Memphis Barbecue Network the class is not just cooking. They go over the dog and pony show, as Absolutely. you called it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they run so, you through a mock finals presentation. So they'll, they'll actually take, you know, if they've got 25 or 30 people in the class, they'll divide it in half. Half of them will go to one site and half of them will go to another site. And they'll run through the entire presentation and then they'll swap the groups <clears throat> and they'll do the same thing all over again. So they know what to be listening for. Do they give them instructions on try to pick this out, try to pick that? I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say instructions as to what to pick out more of, uh, of the fact that it's just something that they, they're able to see the entire process. So if they have questions on what they've seen at that point, it's a good time to ask that question. Whereas if they, you know, we're just told this is how this is going to happen. And then they show up at their first competition and wham, there it is. And they've got questions. They're stage fright. Exactly. There, there's not a, a, not a lot of time at an active competition to stop and ask those kinds of questions. Okay. How long are the judges at your site? For an NBN competition, it's 15 minutes. Okay. That's, and that's Does that a, include on a finals presentation. Everything. Yeah. That's, that's you from talking the time to they them? walk. Yeah. That's okay. from the time they walk up and, and, are introduced to the to the team to the time that the present finals presentation is over with and they're walking back out to the generally they bring them around on a golf cart or something like that so it's at from the time they're leaving the tent that's it's 15 minutes now you have to i believe the regulation is you have to go at least 10 minutes not more than 15 okay and that includes them eating right absolutely i'm sorry most of your teams you'll find will will do between three to five minutes, actually, at the, the smokers, showing the, the judges the meat on the cooker and explaining to them you know, a little bit about the team, a little bit about what their equipment they're cooking on, what their cook process was. Then they'll pull those sam- samples and come back to the table. And that's where the, the rest of the discussion takes place over the actual samples. Okay. I didn't think that they put it in a box and then took it back to a si- another place and just judged it. No, well, now that's the the preliminary rounds, the blind rounds. It's just a lot similar, uh, very, very similar to a KCBS competition. They're building a blind box. The only difference between Memphis and May, or excuse me, uh, Memphis Barbecue Network and KCBS in their blind box, well, I won't say the only difference, but the biggest difference is that uh, the Memphis Barbecue Network blind box is not garnished. There's no kale or whatever. Gotcha. Uh, you know, garnish you're putting in the bottom of the box. It's, okay. it's simply a meat box. To win team of the year, how many did you cook again? I cooked, uh, there were six, I believe it was 16. My numbers are fuzzy right now because it's been so long since I've done anything. But I believe yeah. there were 16 competitions last year and we cooked 15. The only reason we didn't cook every single one is because one weekend there were two. <laughs> you can only I can only be at one place at one time at least so far. I haven't figured out how to do that yet. <laughs> but yeah, so no. for the MBN, there was seventeen for the year. Yes, sir. I believe so. And you hit almost one hundred percent. Yeah, the, there uh, last year the the two that were on the same day there was a, a praise the Lord in Murfreesboro, and then which is a duel actually. It's an MBN and KCBS event combined. And then there was the pig picking at uh, Delta State University down in uh, Cleveland, Mississippi. They were on the same day. And that is the, 
I believe the regulation that the Memphis Barbecue Network has is you can have two competitions on the same weekend, but they have to be at least 500 miles apart. Or excuse me, I think it's 250 miles apart. So that the caveat there as to why there were two competitions in the same weekend. Whereas the KCBS, depending on what car, uh, part of the country there you're in, there could be five or six different competitions in a weekend. Yeah, you know, all in different states. They're they're a, a bit larger organization than NBN is right now. So it's not uncommon for KCBS in the summertime to have twenty in one weekend. Exactly, exactly. And there I, might be five in Kansas City. Mm-hmm, yep. Hey, I've got a question here for the gentleman that told me to call you in the first place. Okay, uh, Scott, and I believe it's Senate. Yes, sir. Uh, Scott Senate's a. Yeah. Uh, uh, Buddy of mine, we met him up in uh, Galax, Virginia this year. Here is his question. Mm-hmm. Okay. After all the time, travel, effort, and the money spent on going to Galax, Virginia, mm-hmm. what would winning the banjo mean to you? <laughs> that's, and you uh, need that's to explain a, that to me. That is a great question. The, uh, the awards for the contest in Galax, they have uh, top three in each category. Uh, Galax is, uh, Scott's going to stomp all over me if I get this wrong, but uh, they're well, well known in that area for bluegrass music. They're up in the mountains of West, uh, mountains of Virginia, not West Virginia. The bluegrass is a, is a big deal. They have the largest bluegrass fiddle, fiddle festival in the world up there, I believe. I've, I've only seen pictures. I haven't been during that festival, but I would really like to go. But the, the awards for those, uh, for the barbecue competition that they have, first, second, and third place bring home a fiddle, and then the grand champion brings home a banjo. And they're, they are actually legit working instruments. <laughs> there's, a, wow. there's a guy in town that builds these things by hand, and they're absolutely exquisite pieces. And uh, I've took, I've been up there twice. We took first place in hog in uh, 2018, and then we took second place in hog in 2019. Uh, and we're really, really close in 2018 to winning that grand, and we missed it by a few points. But uh, I really uh, I got beat out by uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Jeff Jones, with Jonesy Q Barbecue. He took home the banjo in 2018. And uh, I've got a couple other friends that have that have got banjos too, and it's it's really something I've been after. Well, in 2019, we showed up, and uh, Scott uh, cooks for a team called uh, North uh, North Meat South Smoke. They were a backyard competition team in 2018, a, a patio team, and they cooked right across the the aisle from us, so we got to know each other in 2018. He won the backyard division in 2018. So the the caveat up there in Galax Galax is when you win the backyard competition, the next year you have to move up to pro. So he and I had been talking back and forth and uh, and trying to figure out, uh, you know, exactly how he wanted to do everything in 2019. And, and uh, he came to me and asked, Memphis Barbecue Network is primarily a baby back rib uh, in their in their rib category, whereas in KCBS, as you're aware, I'm sure they they lean more towards a spare or a uh, a St. Louis cut. Well, Scott had cooked a lot more KCBS than he had cooked NBN. And asked me, he said, uh, he said, you know, I'm I'm really a lot better at cooking this the spare ribs. He said, can I win with a spare rib in the NBN? I said, you can, you can win in the NBN with whatever you want. I said, and you've got as many local judges up there as you're going to have judges that have moved in from out of town. So if you want to cook the spare rib, if that's what you're good with, go with it, you know, run with it. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, he's got just as much of a chance cooking that with anything. I said, uh, I said, I hope he does well. I said, he definitely will have a little bit more of a challenge cooking a spare rib against all these baby backs, just because 
it's going to be the one that looks different in the box. Well, I evidently was thinking about it from the wrong side because evidently looking in different in the box was just what he needed because Scott walked away with the banjo in 2019. <laughs> so he won the grand with that, uh, with that spare rib that he cooked up there. And, uh, I've had his rib, man. It's a, it's a phenomenal piece of meat. So, uh, he, he deserved every bit of it. So I was real, uh, real happy for him. Uh, I'm not going to say I was not jealous because I definitely was, but, uh, yeah, Scott definitely deserved every uh, every bit of what he got. So that uh, that question as to, as to what it would mean to me is uh, it would mean a whole lot. We're, we'll be going back to Galax. Hopefully, uh, the way it looking looks like the schedule is going to lay out this year, they may be the first contest on the slate this year, uh, depending on how fast all this this uh, virus mess cleans up. But uh, the schedule wise, they're their first uh, first or second week in July. And it, uh, it it really does look right like right now, uh, unfortunately, because there's a lot of the local competitions that I'd like to cook before that. But if that's the first one, I'll definitely be there. And if it's the third one, I'll definitely be there. Galax is a great little town. It's it's nestled up in the side of a mountain, and they uh, their organizers and, and reps up there really do a great job. They put on a fantastic contest. Yeah, and I can see if you're anything like me, when you pull back in, I want to still set right across from him. Yep, absolutely. And I'll be the first one to his site to shake his hand once again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, they, they, uh, I do believe that's the only NBN contest they got to cook last year. And they, uh, because they're, you know, that, that, Galax is a pretty good haul from Memphis. It's uh, about about ten or eleven hours. At least it is pulling a pulling a thirty foot trailer. So that uh, that distance kept him from being able to cook another competition yet that last year. But as far as the points race went, with that uh, with the points he he earned from that grand, I think they were still twelfth or thirteenth team of the year. I, I don't quote me on that. That number could be a little bit off, but I know he was definitely uh, in the top twenty. So. Uh, they were able to make it down for the award ceremony back in February, and uh, that was the the last time I saw Scott was when they came down for that um, that award ceremony. But it's a lot of fun, so uh, I, I look forward to getting back to, out there and thinking about those guys again. Hey, that brings up another thought. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it a few times, but we haven't s- defined how it's de- uh, decided. The team of the year. Mm-hmm. Is it cumulative points <clears throat> of what the judges gave you at each contest? Or do you get like for first place you get ten points, second exactly. place is eight, third place? You see what I'm saying? It's it's how is MBN factored? The where you finish in the competition, say in that Galax competition, Scott earned for the first place rib he earned ten points, and then for the grand he earned an extra three. Now the second place rib team earned nine points, the third place rib team turned eight points and so on and so forth down to 10. The top 10 teams get points towards the team of the year points with the 10th place team accumulating one point on up through the first place team gets 10. And then whoever out of the three categories picks up the grand gets that extra three for the for the uh, grand champion points. Accumulate per contest over the, the course of the year. All right, that does help explain it a little bit. I now understand that. Okay. You said you most of the time you cook hog. Mm-hmm. Okay, especially where I'm at. I'm not sure about Tennessee. We're from Oklahoma. I don't get to go to the local wholesale, local meat market. There's not hogs sitting around. How do you go about getting a hog <laughs> for a contest? No, we have a, a local butcher that, that we used to source them through, uh, Raymond's Meat Market here in Memphis. Um, 
you, you generally you have to go to a specialized butcher to, to pick one up. I don't know if grocery store butchers have that ability. We we used to pick ours up from from uh, TK out here at uh, Raymond's Meat Market. And then in 2018, we were lucky enough, we picked up a uh, sponsorship, Compart Family Farms. Mr. Jim Compart uh, met us in yes. May, and uh, he he offers us a sponsorship, so we now buy our hogs directly from him, and he ships them out to us. Okay. So that's how we... You said shipped. Mm-hmm. Do you get a hog shipped in, in, in styrofoam? No, it's frozen. No. How, no, how do no, you get a, a hog uh, shipped? There's a local meat packing house that he ships to... Uh, because I, I, you know, I, I don't pretend to know all the FDA regulations behind all that, but I'm sure they're quite extensive. It, it actually comes to a, uh, a meat packing place uh, in the south side of the city uh, called the, the actually seafood houses, uh, believe it or not. But they do sell pork and beef and, and things of that nature from different suppliers all across the country. But uh, they uh, they ship from from Compart to uh, this place is called Off the Dock here downtown and. Uh, we pick up from them, and, and I'll pick up anywhere, depending on how many contests I've got a month. They ship in once uh, once a month unless there's a you know special order place. So I'll pick up two or three a month and, and bring them home, and I've got a large uh, chest that uh, that I'll store them in at the house, which, okay. uh, you know, is... is and that uh, makes sense. I understand what you're talking about. Yeah. I had 34 years in the meat business. I okay. understand. Well, yeah. And it's the cold supply chain is what you're following okay yeah no you probably know a lot more about it than i do at that point (laughs) (laughs) well that that answers that because i kept going like even at my plant i'm like i don't have anyone come in and say hey you got a whole hog for me Mm -hmm. Uh, not a common request i would imagine (laughs) and do you cook multiple categories at everyone or just the the small ones do you do it at the big memphis ma now, Memphis and May is a different animal. Uh, you can only cook one main category there. They they require you to choose which one you're gonna you're gonna enter. Uh, the ancillary con- uh, contests are open to to whoever wants to enter them. But the, as far as the hog, shoulder, or rib categories in Memphis and May, you can only do one. We uh, when we started in 2007, we were actually a rib team. We cooked ribs up until about 2010, and then uh, we tried our hand at hog a couple times, and then we went back to rib a couple times, and then. In uh, 2019, we went back to uh, to hog for the first time in a few years and got lucky. So, <laughs> I, yeah. I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to say it's it's more than just luck because we do you know work hard at, at putting out a great product. But when there's you know 38 hog teams and 130 rib teams and 140 shoulder teams, there's a lot of luck involved in any, winning anything at Memphis and May. So. <laughs> We, uh, How many hogs do you cook for Memphis and May? I did cook two this year. I say this year, 2019, we cooked two. Uh, generally, we only cook one, but for a contest as big as Memphis and May, with the you know with the amount of prize money you got on the table there, uh, we cooked two because we wanted our finals judges to see a uh, a whole intact product, not one that had been picked over for a blind box and three preliminary judges. So we did cook two, and and it worked. <laughs> Yeah, were you not second? Is that correct? Yeah, we took second place in Memphis in May in 2019. We missed first place by one hundredth of a point. Oh, uh, what a killer! Yeah, it's it's a it's a rough one, and the the fellows that beat me out make sure they uh, they remind me of that point oh one every time uh, every time they see me. <laughs> so uh, that'll be a, that'll be another group I'm anxious to get back up against here in 2020. <laughs> yep. Good, good, good yeah. group of guys, uh, uh, hometown barbecue. Good, good group of fellows. Okay, there's okay. When we cook brisket, you 
cook either whole or split? Pork uh, butt. Pork for butt. KCBS, okay. I cook whole. Whole hog. Mm-hmm. Do you cook it running style? Or I do running What do they call the other one? What, what's it called? Uh, on its back. I, I don't know that there's a specific okay. name for it, but uh, I've, I've cooked them on their back before, but generally the I have more success with a running style hog, and that's the way we cook. Now, mine is not. Explain uh, everyone that knows what that is. Okay. Generally, when you see whole hog cooks, uh, the, the hog will be laying on its back, and the, the, the spine will be split, the shoulders and the hands will be laid out to the side with the rib cage kind of opened up in the middle. And, and it's generally, I, I mean, it's basically cooking in a big bowl because the hog skin on the outside creates kind of a, a, a solid bowl and all that juice and all that injection and, and seasoning just kind of settles in that bowl and you're basically cooking and basting out of a large bowl of juice. It's what you're going to find. I would, you know, five years ago, I would have said you'd, you'd find 99% of your teams cooking that way. Running style has, has kind of gained a little bit more traction in the last few years. That is, the, the hog is cooked on its feet. Um, a couple of the guys you'll actually see cooking standing style, like the shed, uh, they cook theirs on a frame. I believe they call it the robo pig. <laughs> it actually stands <laughs> straight up. They've got a, a frame that uh, sits in the inside of the cavity that holds it up, uh, standing up straight. But uh, we cook uh, uh, running style, uh, kind of he's uh, laying on his belly. Uh, we open up the, the back of across the back of the loin and across the top of the shoulders and the tops of the hands. We open that area up so that everything gets the smoke and the meat. I mean, smoke and the heat that uh, and the seasoning that we want to give it. We uh, were taught that way by uh, a class we took from Melissa Cookston, uh, Yazoo's Delta Q, Memphis Barbecue Company, back in 2010 was when we took that class from her. She's had a lot of a lot of success with the running style hog. That's what she cooks. So. I was just going to say, you ain't going to find much anybody better. <laughs> no, that's, you know, when you want to figure out how to do it right, you know, you hit up the guys that are, uh, that are good at it. So that's, that's where we got our information. That was where we learned, you know, how to get started on, in that style of hog cooking. And that's, uh, that's what we've kind of stuck with because it's worked for us. Uh, my spiel on the, the running style hog is, is that it's harder to cook that way. You end up spending more time working to keep flavors and injections and everything to stay in those pieces of meat. Whereas with a, you know, when you're cooking on the back, it all just kind of sits there, but uh, running style, my advantage comes into play when the, when the finals judges come around, because when the finals judges come to look it and I open, like that, I open that smoker, it absolutely looks like a hog. And I can say, you know, this is a shoulder, this is a loin, this is a ham. I'm not having to reach up underneath a rib cage and pull out chunks of a loin that, you know, that they can't really see at that point. Visually, it's just a more appealing product, at least in my opinion. Now, I'm not going to say it's the only way to do it, because obviously I've been beat several times by guys who cooked belly hogs and, I mean, back hogs, and, and that, you know, everybody's got their tips and tricks, and that, that just happens to be the way I like to cook mine. So. Yeah, there are all the tips and tricks, all the different methods you still have to get it cooked right. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, a rough, I mean, a tough underdone or, or tough, overdone hogs not going to win. It doesn't matter which way you cook it. That's right. Well, it's only human nature for folks to want to progress. Mm-hmm. So progression in barbecue. What is Will's progression? Do you plan on doing a restaurant? Do you catering? 
Or I, do you want to teach classes, sell I, sauces and rubs? That's what? a great, great question. I, uh, moving forward, I don't, I don't really know where this is all going to take me. Uh, there's a lot of thinking I have to do about that. I don't see myself ever really doing a restaurant because anybody that's ever run a restaurant can tell you it's hard work. This is this is what I do for fun. This is not a uh, you know a business for me. It, I may turn it into a food truck at some point. I can't ever see myself running a restaurant. Now that's not going to say it's not ever going to happen, but uh, it, it may be something that I do in a, in a retirement phase, but uh, right now I'm, I'm having too much fun with it. Uh, I do have a, a line of rubs out there and, and I'm fixing to release a, a line of sauces. So I, I do a little bit of that. Not a huge amount. We have sauce sponsors. So it's a it's a tricky game to, to play to, to put your stuff your own stuff out there and then still use things that your sponsors are giving you um, because I'll be honest with you my sponsors uh, I'm sponsored by Jonesy Q Barbecue his rubs say that again because I didn't hear it I'd like I'm, for everybody to hear that I'm sorry I'm sponsored by Jonesy Q Barbecue his rubs and sauces are what we use primarily in competition we do use some of our own stuff as well but he has in, involved. You know, food chemists and many, many years of trial and error research that, that I haven't invested in, in to the, the game of, of the rubs and sauces as of yet. So I'm not going to try to sit here and tell you that my stuff's better than his because it's not. Everybody's got a flavor they like. The, the rubs and sauces that I put out there, they work differently from the things that I get from my sponsors. And, you know, they work good on some things. His stuff works better on some things. It's it's a it's a delicate balance until I get to where I feel like my products are up to par with what I'm uh, using for my sponsors. I probably stay with them because they they're the seasonings and flavors that have gotten me to where I am right now. So. It's hard to it's hard to walk away and say thanks for the memories, but I'm uh, I'm going to do my own thing because <laughs> yeah I've I've got a great relationship built with those guys. We're friends and and they put out a great product, so I can say that about them. I can say that about lots of people. I I use a uh, a brisket injection that says butchers on the side of it, so you know how that works. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> All so, right, here's I'm going to go down this rabbit hole. There, mm-hmm. selling your rubs. Okay, let me let me back up a little bit. Sure. Marketing. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking you want to sell to stores that sell to backyarders? Are you thinking that the growth of your rubs, you know, Smoke Masters Barbecue Rubs, mm-hmm. do you think you'll gain more traction from the competitors that know you? And if it is competitors, are you afraid of selling your rubs to a competitor? Uh, I wouldn't say that. No, a lot of the competitors that I'm that that I'm with that that I'm competing with and against week in week out. Number one, they know what I use because we all sit around and talk about it at competition. In the same you know in the same breath, there are guys out there that that sell their stuff. Jonesy Keeper, for for instance, Heath Riles sells his stuff. But several several of the different teams and everybody on the competition circuit's using them. So it's not like selling my rubs and sauces is going to keep me from being able to beat somebody else who's using the same flavor, uh, flavor profile because, you know, it all has to come together as a packet. The rubs and sauces are a very small portion of the entire package. I can I can tell you how to do what I've been doing. I can sell you the stuff to do what I'm doing. But unless you can do what I'm doing, not going to be that hard for me to beat you. And that sounds extremely cocky to say it that way. <laughs> but it's, unless you've been out there and, and put in the, you know, the time on the grill, you can't just walk out there and, and uh, you know, and walk away with a, a 
you know, the, the trophies that we walk away with because it, it's a trial and error type thing. You got to learn what, you know, what works and what doesn't work. And that's what's taken us 10 years to do. So um, there's a there's a good amount of, of blood, sweat and tears that goes into it all. And that's right. Uh, and just a just a rub shaker is not going to not going to send you home with a trophy from Memphis in May. I can promise you that. What I taught my son in the meat shop Mm-hmm. And this goes with every profession, especially right here with cooking is what you said. Mm-hmm. The more circumstances you've been in, the more you know what to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, that's I, exactly what you were trying to say there. Yeah. I, that's, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. It wasn't cocky at all. It didn't come away or come across that way, mm-hmm. but that's exactly what you're trying to say. Yeah. When I started and doing my classes, I had a very good friend of mine right here from Oklahoma who called me and says, Hey, do you care if I come and take your class? And I was like, Scott, I am honored that you even want to come listen to what I got to say. And I had other friends say, are you afraid of your competitors doing what you do and knowing what you do and then using it against you? My whole thought process was if they beat me with my stuff, I need to become a better cook. There you go. That's yeah. That's a great way to. That's a great way to say it. So I understand exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well, that's exactly the thought process I have behind it. Is is if if they can do something with the with the products that I'm selling them that I can't do with it, then I need to step up my game. That's good to hear because I sponsor teams too, mm-hmm. and that's how I explain to them. Don't be afraid to show someone your honey rub or your grilling addiction or your beef injection. Absolutely. Because what you do with it is going to be different than what they're going to do with it. Yep. And for your sponsors, you've got the right attitude, I'm going to tell you. Well, great. I'm, I'm glad, to, glad to hear that's the opinion because that's, that's really the way I feel about it. Okay. Outside of barbecue. Mm-hmm. What's your hobbies? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> Here lately, I haven't left myself a lot of time for, for much of anything. We've just recently started a YouTube channel, but it's centered around barbecue as well. So the uh, other than that, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a shooter. I do a lot of that. What kind of shooting? Bench rest shooting, uh, long distance shooting. I d- used to do a little IDPA, personal defense pistol shooting, uh, things of that nature. But it's been a while. Uh, it tends to be an all-encompassing part <laughs> of my life so it is it's taking taken over quite a few other things but uh you know other than that um I, I don't know that i've got you know just a whole lot that are taking you know front seat to anything right now sounds like it's work play work play pretty pretty much that's you know, that's a lot of it uh my, yeah. my dogs uh, are about the only other thing that I get into other than that. And, you know, I'm, I'm a hunter in the off season. I mean, I'm a hunter in the season, but uh, luckily uh, hunting and, and barbecue, competition barbecue, take opposite seasons to one another to the most part. They, they overlap a little bit, but, uh, you know, that's, that's just about the only uh, – the only other thing I do outside of barbecue, and, and that has the luxury of, you know, when I have a good day hunting, I get to come home and barbecue with it. So <laughs> one goes hand in hand with the other. Well, something we do here in our podcast is close to the end of it, which we have a whole lot of injection needles out here in the warehouse. Sure. I'm going to inject you with a butcher barbecue truth serum. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. You got to answer truthfully. Okay. All right. If you could have lunch with any one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, uh, 
That's a deep one. Um, lunch with any one person, dead or alive. Wow. I am not fast on my feet today. Um, <laughs> I, it, from a from a barbecue standpoint? Uh, I don't care. For, well, uh, no, I mean, as an answer, from a oh. barbecue standpoint, um, I'd love to sit down with, with any of the, uh, you know, the, the old school crew, um, like be it Myron Mixon or, or Johnny Trigg. I've, I've met both of those guys, but you know, when you meet those kind of guys in a, in a Memphis and May type situation, it's a handshake and, and they're on to the next guy. So when you get down, a chance to, to sit down and pick brains on somebody like that, that, uh, I think that I, I would really enjoy. Nice the that that's a you know that's a diplomatic way to dance around that that question i guess no that was good but yeah, uh, yeah. toughy toughy stone i gotta spend about a half an hour at a, an award ceremony standing next to him about three years ago and we got to talking about all kinds of different things but uh but there again you know you're you're standing in a crowd with with five thousand other people at a memphis and may award ceremony so the, you, you don't get to go get a little a, a real real deep conversation there but uh yeah any of those guys i think would be a, a fantastic uh, a fantastic lunch to have okay now i'm gonna throw one more at you that's not near as deep sure all right. i don't want you to have to work that hard okay <laughs> all right now i was just thinking if you were cooking and it started a house fire and you had time to run into your garage and grab one cooker and one bottle of rub out of your cabinet what would it be wow <laughs> That's, See, it's not near as hard. You've given this stuff some thought. I like it. <laughs> oh, the, I, you know, I'm not going to tell you that I almost set the back of my house on fire about five years ago. So actually, See, I'm reading your notes now. <laughs> yeah, I've actually got a little bit of, uh, of, of thought there. But no, the, if I was grabbing one cooker and one bottle of rub, right now, uh, with everything that we've been cooking, the the one flavor that I've that I've really... The one rub that I've really been pleased with uh, here again, I, and, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to beat my sponsors to death, but uh, Jonesy Q has a, a rub called the, uh, Money Honey, and it's a, uh, it's a honey, kind of a honey pecan chipotle mix, and it's, it works well across the board on a lot of different things. So I've been using it a lot lately. If, if you've seen any of the, the YouTube videos that we've put out, we've used it on a lot of the things that we've just recently. Uh, done videos on because it works so well on so many things so that would have to be the rub that i would grab now smokers that's another question <laughs> uh i have uh you know as as most of any barbecue guy you talk to uh, their their backyards are littered with the bones of smokers from you know uh days and years past um but if you're you know if you're going to grab anything it would have to be my hawk smoker, uh, my my backwoods pro comp hog. No, actually, you know what? God, I think I am going to change that answer. <laughs> Ten years ago, five years ago, if you'd have asked me if I was going to be a pellet guy, I told you you were crazy. I've started cooking on the uh, the Yoder YS640 a few years ago, and man, for for an all around do basically anything other than a hog because it just won't fit. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that Yoder's a, a fantastic piece of equipment. The only downside to it is I can't burn charcoal in it. So uh, I love a charcoal flavor. So uh, I would I would probably uh, probably throw a Weber Smoky Mountain on top of my Yoder and drag it out of my garage. 
<laughs> See, the truth serum works. Well, I tell you, man, I, uh, <laughs> I I'm dancing around well, all those answers uh, without getting too terribly specific. But man, uh, I got a whole sheet of those. Uh-huh. Man, I could pick your brain, but I've got a feeling that truth serum has wore out. I'm not going to make you work that hard. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, well thank you, Dad. Will. I appreciate really it. appreciate your time, and I know you got a lot of lot going on. Name your sponsors and where people can follow you. Okay, uh, there we go. A long list of sponsors. Uh, first and foremost, this year we've got uh, Jonesy Q Barbecue Rubs and Sauces. We got uh, Team Royal Oak. We we picked up the sponsorship of Royal Oak for 2020. So Team Royal Oak 2020. Yoder. We we do have a, a local sponsor here in town, the uh, Barbecue in Memphis, that sells us our Yoder or that gives us our Yoder smokers. We've got a few smaller guys that aren't necessarily barbecue related. Uh, uh, security Name Systems them. Security Systems Incorporated out of Brighton. Uh, any kind of uh, camera or alarm or home automation uh, needs that you have, if you're local in Memphis. Look those guys up because, man, they do a fantastic job. Smokerwood.com, we get our, our smoking woods, our, our chunks and our, our chips from those guys. Uh, they're available online, and that's a fantastic product. Puts out a really clean uh, really clean smoke, does a, does a good job of getting good dried wood. As far as sponsors go, I think I've hit them all there. Uh, finding us, we're at SmokemastersBBQMemphis.com. Uh, that's a Gmail. I mean, excuse me. SmokemastersBBQMemphis at gmail.com, uh, SmokemastersBBQMemphis at facebook.com, uh, same, with, same with the Instagram. Look us up on YouTube at Q&In with Uncle Wu. There's a long story behind the Uncle Wu nickname, but we won't get into that today. <laughs> I was fixing to go, where'd that come from? <laughs> I have a 17-year-old niece that named me Uncle Wu when she could barely talk, and it stuck. So I am uh, Pitmaster Uncle Wu. So <laughs> that's, uh, nice. that's, where that, uh, that's where that YouTube uh, channel name comes up with. So Q&In with Uncle Wu on the YouTube. So Will, I appreciate it. Thanks for the, the fun conversation. <laughs> Great. Doug. Glad, glad to help, man. And I appreciate you giving, uh, giving us the chance to, to come on and talk. Absolutely. Hey, listeners, make sure you hit that subscribe button and pass this on so everybody can listen to Will and his story. Thanks a lot. Smash that subscribe button and be ready for Butcher's next podcast.